you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I am so excited for today's topic. Jeremy Pope has joined us to talk about how to develop that first sales team. There comes a time in in your business and I, I am there. You know, you have to bring in other people to do the sales. You can't do everything yourself. And if you want to scale growth, you have to start developing a sales team. So that is something I've been thinking about. So I'm quite interested for today's conversation. Now, I love Jeremy's bio. It says, do you want to be your clumsy, awkward self while closing deals that feel great for you and your prospects? Ooh, I like that. Did you know that most people don't need more sales teaching? They need coaching on what they're already doing. And Jeremy's on a mission to free bootstrap service founders from toxic sales practices that can feel like being stuck in quicksand. Every sale that you do with Jeremy provides fresh, sustainable, locally sourced water wells to survival mode communities across the world, empowering families to stay together and thrive together. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Jeremy, let's start off with uh, getting letting the audience get to know you. So talk a little bit about your story. You know, how did you become the sales call overhaul person? Yeah, um, mostly because I'm a very silly guy and I like clowning around. So I'm launching a podcast about fixing broken sales calls on air and people send in their sales calls. We transcribe them, redact them, anonymize them, and then I reenact them with silly voices so you can hear who's who in that <laughs> in that call. Yeah. I love, it's, I love it. I've got a lot of work to do, but it's it's really fun so far. So basically I pick out the four biggest trouble spots in that sales call and then I reenact it and I fix it. Just show show everybody exactly what to do to fix this kind of problem with a zero pressure approach. Mm-hmm. But Sales needs a little more silliness, and I'm not huge on that. That's not a big part of what I teach, but boy, if we can just take the pressure off of ourselves and off of our prospects Mm -hmm. and be natural with it, sales doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be amazing. We have a duty to excellence and to growth and development, but we don't have to be amazing. It's just the start of a relationship. And how many times, oh, I'm so far off topic. I will answer your question, I promise. <laughs> but how, how many times do you hear a couple who's been married for 30 years say, when you ask them how they met, I love to ask couples how, how they met. She'll go something like, well, you know, I wasn't attracted to him at first, but over time or but these three things happened or et cetera. Like you hear that story a lot. Mm-hmm. And they have to ease their way into it. They've got, they've got building to do to build that relationship. Yeah. 
And so we put so much pressure on ourselves for sales or for dating even. I mean, any kind of new relationship situation, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and that puts pressure on the other person too. And Mm -hmm. it's just high pressure is not a healthy start to a relationship. And so to answer your question, (laughs) (laughs) I I got started selling door-to-door, wearing a tie and a coat, selling door-to-door to lawyers, selling real estate paralegal services to lawyers in the hot South Georgia sun. And that was where I started learning about pressure and when you can take the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Um, Because by the time I was a couple years in to selling, even in house calls, like insurance, Mm -hmm. health, health insurance, I was totally out of the coat and tie mentality down to polo shirt. Let's make this natural. I'm getting back in the car in 45 minutes and it's going to be 120 degrees inside that car already. So just making the process fit your conditions, Mm -hmm. making your call structure fit your funnel, making Mm -hmm. your funnel fit your market and your audience. Those are all things that cannot be ignored. And I've been, I've been doing sales of some type or another since 2000 because of that door-to-door selling to lawyers. But I've, I've sold a lot of stuff from clinical hypnosis. I was a clinical hypnotist for 10 years. Aside from a salesperson and a marketer, I probably identify with that, that coaching mindset more than anything else. And I've sold health and life insurance. I've sold homes. I've sold mortgages. I tried to sell cars for two weeks, but they sold the dealership and laid half of us off. And I did not regret it at all. I hated (laughs) trying to sell cars. I was very average at that. Um, And I got into the online sales, what people call high ticket closing, even though it's usually not that high ticket. When I was the client success director, the first client success director at a company called Traffic and Funnels. And that was a very fast paced environment. I learned a lot. I'm grateful to them overall for, for that experience, but it was, it was time for me to go do my own thing. Just understanding how the webinar funnels work and, and how to fix inbound ads funnels and things like that. That was a crash course, a new kind of marketing for me. And so that was a lot of fun, but I've built two or 300 funnels at this point, while I don't like building funnels. It has been absolutely wonderful for being able to troubleshoot a sales process and, and just understand yeah. how it all works from start to finish. That's kind of my journey. And now, now I build sales teams for agencies, course creators, experts like coaches and consultants, and then SaaS founders. So I call them ACES, A-C-E-S. And that's, <laughs> that's my crew right there, my crowd. I used to say agencies, authors, course creators, but usually the course creators are authors and vice versa. Um, and those those folks, I realized that if they don't have a back-end sales process that's dialed in, then they can't use the book effectively. And yeah. a lot of the experts that I talk to, I look at them and I go, you've got charisma, so you could do keynotes. You could You could be on the podcast circuit promoting a book if you had something to promote and you've got a lot to say, like you, you are obviously an expert with your own voice in this. Why don't you have a book yet? And so people with a book, it's so much easier to build funnels around that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I see the, I see the nonfiction book experts and what I do as inseparable. I agree. Like, you know, for me, 
I've wanted to go that route for a long time, but mm. you know, when you're running the business, I'm about seven years in, I've developed systems, I've brought in staff, like I've laid a really yep. strong foundation. So those processes are so important. You have yeah. to have the systems. And and even in sales, like I'm the one who do all the sales, but I have yep. a sales system. Yeah. Now I don't have an online sales system. I, you know, work through a lot of referrals, a lot of networking, <laughs> developing relationships, all of that. So, you know, I've got that all down. You know, I, I have a full sales system for selling, onboarding, you know, I've got the staff to handle it. So all of those mm -hmm. things are in place. And I, I, I'm excited because I know what the next step is. And now it's like, let's look at that for 2023 and moving into that next stage. I have my own book. I have my book. I have my client's books because that's the big thing as a publisher. Right. Even right. when I didn't have my own book, I had all of my client's books that I could refer back to. But I, yeah. you know, I have my own book now, too. It's and, like 22 testimonials lined up on the shelf right there. Yep. You can literally send these to people as a testimonial like, hey, you want to? Well, that's why they're on the shelf there because yep. I grab them right. and I refer to them all the time. Right. Perfect. You know, when I'm talking to a client, I'll just go grab a book. Okay, so here's what I did for this client and, mm -hmm. and I show them the book. But That's perfect. I'm excited. I'm excited for 2023. And you know what? I think that like you, I've been in sales a long time now. I've always been in more like a direct sales type climate as opposed to like a corporate sales mm -hmm. environment or working for companies. It was generally I worked for myself selling products that a company would provide for me. Right. So yeah. all commission based. So you learn quickly how to develop relationships and all these other kind of things, which then served me really well when I started a publishing company. Exactly. But I love the fact that you've sold so many things because you truly do understand. Now, Jeremy, let me ask you a question because I know a little bit about traffic and funnels. Where They did a book, did they not? This was in 2016 that I was there. So they've, okay. they've had at least five more client success directors after me. I, I know at least five more since then. So I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure on my other bookshelf, their book is sitting there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> So Jeremy, I, I really love your story and how you've, you've simplified sales down and not complicated it. And I think in today's, mm -hmm. you know, sales environment, it truly is about developing that relationship. It's not about the script. It's not about being salesy or manipulative or, you know, how do I, how do I coerce this person into doing something that they want to do? It's about finding who do you love to work with? Yeah. And start hanging out with them. <laughs> can can we talk about that stuff a little bit before we get into the sales team side of things? Do we have time? Yeah, because we've okay. normally it's about seven, 10 minutes each segment, but Jeremy isn't an author yet. Yeah, so talk about that, Jeremy, please. Okay. The concept of zero pressure sales is that we're here to start a relationship. Most of the time I'm working with either founders or the next early employees in, in this. So a sales, the first sales manager or their first salesperson, things like that. It's rare that I work with a sales team of over 20, that I'm coaching a sales team over 20. I like the the more startup and micro business space. That's that's where the fun is to be had in my opinion. So when you have a sales process and so many founders in the online marketing space and in the coaching space in particular, agencies and coaches, all these folks that we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. they have encountered a lot of what I call taker sales processes. Mm -hmm. And 
it's because they come from the BizOp world. Like they have, mm. they've been in the BizOp coaching space or they're, they've bought two or three BizOp, but like start your own coaching business kind mm. of packages. And the BizOp space is extremely paternalistic. I can't mm. even pronounce the word. That's, that's how much I hate it. Uh, but it's, it's an extremely paternalistic space because there are so many irresponsible things going on in that space. And yes, there are a lot of gurus that don't provide what they say they're going to provide. I've been one of those before. I mean, I, I have fallen down so badly on fulfillment before, so I am far from perfect. But there are so many gurus that are saying, okay, this way will work for everyone that does it. And if it doesn't work, then you didn't do the program properly. I've seen so much of that. So there's that. And of course, element. because you didn't do the program properly, we're not giving you your money back. Yeah, usually that's that's tied to it pretty closely, isn't it? But ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah, everybody has this story, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I would love I would love to hear your your version of this story sometime. Oh. But I'll tell you that the gurus I worked on the back end of a lot of gurus programs um, in client yeah. success and in their funnels and their sales processes and in their billing and their financing. Like I'm a business coach. That's what I do. And yes, I tend to get my clients through the sales avenue, but you have to go where the highest leverage stuff is in that business. And so we end up talking about whatever we have to talk about. So I see all the different pieces and these gurus, they get stuck in a mindset of well, these people aren't doing the work. Like they feel trapped as well. A lot of them. Now there are, there are sharks out there. There's plenty of just unethical people. Yes. But most of the time, what we encounter is people doing their best on the guru side and on the client side, mm -hmm. on, on the provider and on the client side. We're all just trying to do our best. And we, like you said, qualify our leads properly. You didn't use those words, but make sure you're talking to the right people that you're going to enjoy mm -hmm. working with that can afford to pay you, et cetera. If you don't qualify properly, you put tremendous pressure, unhealthy pressure on that bridge of your sales process. It is not engineered to handle that load. Mm -hmm. And so you end up taking on that pressure. The, the sales process collapses and you feel emotional pressure. You put emotional pressure on your prospects. You get into relationships that you shouldn't have to be in, that you should never have accepted, that they should not be in. It's just very messy. So having a sales process that qualifies and disqualifies appropriately, having a lead generation process that generates enough leads that you're not coming from scarcity, having a process yeah. where you're confident in the process itself, that it's going to start healthy relationships. I mean, all these pieces, I'm not just talking about sales here. I'm talking about client acquisition health overall. Mm -hmm. If your fulfillment, if your book delivery system and the way you fulfill and the way your client account managers talk to clients isn't working, then you're going to churn people. You're going to have refunds, et cetera. So all these business systems have to give you as the owner confidence and mm -hmm. the sales team system and the sales management system, I guess we could, is more accurate when that is in place and it's a natural, healthy process. It supports your team. You don't put weird pressure on your sales team and on your sales manager. And it mm -hmm. makes all the difference in the world mm -hmm. to how you fulfill even because your salespeople yeah. are selling the right people into your program. Yeah. You've just given my audience like this massive steak with all this meat to chew <laughs> on. 
it's just the tiniest bit of overview. <laughs> but thank I you, know, but thank you. You know what the I'm thing is, is that that that's the foundational piece. That's the foundational piece, and I I don't know about you, but sometimes that foundational piece is the hardest. Is wrapping your mind oh, around absolutely. it, understanding it, right? I've worked with hundreds of people to help them in compilation books plus single books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over the years, I've fired two clients because they weren't right. And it just got to the point where it was not worth the money that they were paying me. Yeah. Not at all. Not even close. Everybody has to go through that journey. I haven't met an experienced entrepreneur that hasn't done that to themselves toward the beginning. Yeah. And and there might be a third one. (laughs) It happens. But, you know, the thing is, is over the years, I've really refined the process. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, if I develop a sales team, we're going to have to work through some things. But, you know, no one... Like, I don't have a sales system where you can just go pay your money and we start your book. You go through me and I have to feel that you are the right person with the right message and all that. And if I don't, I have other people I refer them to. Right. There's certain categories of books I just will not do. I, I will never do. It's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not comfortable with it. I've made the decision. So when those people come to me, and sometimes sometimes I don't know who they are until I do the interview. Sometimes it's the first time meeting, right? Yeah. But I have other people I can refer to them who would love to do their books and do an amazing job for them. So I yeah. don't I don't just take anybody on. You can't because it just makes life stressful. Not not with a service like this, you just can't. You you no. have to vet carefully, even if you do have a direct to order page process mm-hmm. up front you still have to do the vetting internally and then be prepared to refund them immediately afterwards. But mm-hmm. if you can do it before the hassle of taking their money, then, oh, that's even better. Well, the way I look at it is after a while, if you're putting through a higher percentage of refund, you're paying more in your expenses to for payment processing. There's a chance yep. that your payment processing will get cut off. So for yep. me, I, I want to ensure that this person, you know, I've, I've done a few refunds. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not enough over the years where any payment processing goes, oh, she's a high risk. Right, right. Yeah, once once you get above about 1% refunds, mm-hmm. then you have to start thinking about high risk. I've done so much with payment processors over the If y'all are having trouble with payment processors, come talk to me. I'll hook you up with the right people. <laughs> it, it's easier to get into the high risk category than most yeah online coaches believe, especially if you're doing launches. Launches are viewed as very high risk Mm -hmm. um, because of the spikes in, like if somebody's running a five-day challenge as an author, then, and they have a spike of income once per quarter, it's very easy to get dropped that way, even without any refunds at all. So sorry. I, I, I love geeking out about how all the pieces fit together in these businesses. Sorry. You know what I, I've done, and one thing I, I haven't done a lot of these launches and challenges, but one thing I've done is when I know that, you know, I'm going to have either a really high sales month or, you know, a few mm-hmm. high sales week, I'll contact my merchant and just say, okay, here's what's going on. Yep. Right. And I, yep. I forewarn them mm-hmm. so that, you know, when it does happen, they're not going, oh, where's all this money coming from? Yep. Most people don't think about the banking relationship, mm-hmm. but you have to build relationships in the right ways in the in the banking business banking arena and merchant merchant providers are definitely in the banking category yeah
So we got about 10 minutes left, Jeremy. I, I want to switch a little bit. Like, I totally love this conversation. Likewise. But I do want to actually get to today's topic. So you kind of laid That's... a foundation there. So how do you start to even get your first salesperson? Because most of my audience probably don't even have their first salesperson yet, let alone anything else. Yeah. Well, you can always come to me. Um, I do recruiting for sales teams for this kind of business. This is this is my big thing is sales team recruiting and sales team coaching. And, and I do founder coaching as well. So don't, don't get nervous about it. But there are a few things that we do in our sales team A-Day product. And a lot of it, I'm actually going to look at my deliverables here to remind myself, but a lot of it is making sure that you are ready for a sales team. When you're ready, it gives you so much juice for everything. And a lot of things flow naturally once you are ready for that. Kind of like you with your book your book process, mm -hmm. you've got task management software that you and your team use to manage these projects. These are significant projects that you're, that you're putting together right. there. And so you have to know what you're getting into basically. But finding the salesperson, most people ask, where do I find them? And that's the wrong question. Because that would be the question I would want to ask. But yeah, yeah. It, it's a natural thing. And the answer to that is wherever you are comfortable and wherever you are active. It's like, what social network should I advertise on? And a lot of experts will tell you, don't try and be Gary Vee. Don't try and be everywhere. Go after one, get it nailed, and then you can consider expanding. There are a lot of opinions on that, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. So they say, do I go to Upwork? Do I go to Facebook? Do, where are you active and where do you know the system already? That's, mm -hmm. that's the right answer for you most of the time. If you're hiring a recruiter like us, we're going to use our network, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's the same process. We go where we're comfortable and where we found mm -hmm. to be effective for us. We already have a network. And why, why would you try and go outside your network and start from scratch when you have a bank of people mm -hmm. that you can call on? You've got reserves. You've got friends you can call on to help you with this stuff and who can get excited about your vision. That's yeah. what the book is going to be about, by the way, is vision and how to connect with that and how to get your team connected with it daily and all that stuff, by the way. Because when you have, let me give a resource, by the way, Cameron Harold's book, Vivid Vision. It's about making a three-year plan. His book, when you have that laid out in a form that a vendor can connect to, that a partner can connect to, a prospective hire, a prospective client, uh, like anybody that, a, a podcaster, you know, any, anyone interviewing you can see your vision laid out for the next three years. That is a powerful thing. And I'm going to put mine up on my website in, in the next uh, two or three weeks here. We're working on our, our new re revised one now. Um, but that book has been really powerful. When you can share that with people and they can see what you're really about, that is the most powerful thing for being able to build a good system that supports a sales team well. So then you go to your network, wherever you're comfortable online, and you can write dynamite job posts from there. Most job posts are insanely boring. You've probably encountered a lot of books that you've had to come back through and rewrite with people because they were just terribly boring books. It's the same thing with job posts. Here are the requirements of the job. Here is the amount of money that you can make, that kind of thing. But that's not what people care about especially with Gen Y and Gen Z. Like yeah. they want to be part of something. And these new, the younger generations feel so 
tremendously disenfranchised. They feel like the American dream is beyond them in huge numbers. I mean, there, there are the standouts, but they feel like they will never own a home. I mean, they're living with their parents in unprecedented numbers. Um, college has, it used to be going to college would boost your income very reliably and dramatically. And now the cost of college eats up a significant portion of that boost just by itself. There are a lot of fa- cultural factors at play with the new and generation. And you still can't get a job. Right, right. Yeah, it's no guarantee. Even with the employers desperate to find people, Chick-fil-A is hiring. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Chick-fil-A locally is hiring at $19 an hour to try and get people to run the drive through Four years ago, like, are you insane? $19 an hour? The market has changed dramatically. And yeah. we're still seeing such huge disconnects in the hiring world. Like what people feel they have access to on the employer and on the employee side. It's remarkable. I've, I've never seen anything quite like this before. And so finding a way that you can get people on board with your mission and give them a sense of your a sense of humor, that's a big deal too. If you have one, use it, use the hell out of it. Because there are a lot of people that don't, they don't understand they don't understand I can be myself out there. I don't have to be professional with the job post. I don't, if you try and be too professional with this, you're going to find people that are not a good fit. Yeah. It's the same thing with our, with our sales processes that we teach, like be your clumsy, awkward self. If you try and put on a front, it is going to guarantee that you have more clients coming in that should have disqualified, that should have self dequeued because they realize it's not a fit. When you are yourself, then it's much more reliable on getting only the people that are a fit. So you do that. This hiring is a sales process, just the same as getting clients is, but it's more important because one employee, I mean, especially in the sales world, but one employee is more important than almost any one client that you can get, unless your business model is a 12 clients ever kind of business model. Obviously that changes things, but for a business that takes in 20 to 300 clients a year, one employee they're going to touch half of those clients. They might touch all of those clients. That employee decision matters more than almost anything else you can possibly do. Yeah, I agree. I kind of went through that this year because not necessarily on the sales side, but when I started Mm -hmm. RTI publishing, I was just ghostwriting. I was ghostwriting to earn extra money. I wasn't thinking of starting a publishing company, but within a year, I was just so swamped with business. It made sense. But I've seen that with, with six different uh, ghostwriter friends, they yeah. had to move into the publishing thing just because they're like, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, the first person I brought on was my best friend because she was this major mm. English major and could yeah. edit like crazy. Right. Edit. I wasn't the strongest in editing, but mm-hmm. she was. But eventually she became the manager for my company. So yeah. she managed all the book projects. Well, this year she had to leave. There was stuff going on. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. affect our friendship at all. We're still best friends. Good, good. You know, we understood each other. But mm-hmm. then I had to find somebody else. Yep. And it couldn't just be anybody. It had to be the right person. Yeah. Because this person was going to be dealing directly with every single client that yep. came through the company. And, you know, I was very blessed, um, very thankful that I was able to find somebody I knew. So I knew Mm -hmm. I could trust this person. 
Yeah. Um, Good. Because I was concerned about bringing in someone I didn't know. Because it really, it really wasn't about the skills. You, you know, if you if you have admin skills and organizational skills, I can teach you what you need to know. Yeah. But those people skills and being able to handle stressful situations, you know, especially when we're down to the crunch on a book launch and, you know, the client's thinking, we're never going to get this thing out. This kid's never yep. going to yep. be born, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You've got to be able to handle that stress, right? And not, yeah. not take it personally. So yep. finding that right person. And yep. thankfully I did. I found good, the right person good. and, you know, she's an incredible blessing. My clients just love her. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I so agree with you that when you're bringing on those salespeople, they have to be the right people. Yeah. There's a common saying in the hiring world, hire for attitude, train for skill mm -hmm. or the leadership world, the management world in general, I guess. And that is generally true. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is much easier to train skills than to train attitude. I am very much a nurture over nature guy mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, um, but it's not your job to train someone in a new worldview. That is yeah. not the job of your business. And that, you might be, that might be a service that you provide if you're a coach that trains clients in a new worldview, but that is not your job with employees. That is going to suck down all kinds of bandwidth and surprise you in unpleasant ways over and over. Mm. And you're going to end up micromanaging or abdicating and, and going back and forth. I, I have a course I call mad respect, micromanagement, abdication, delegation, and how to set up delegation systems and processes of learning delegation and teaching your people mm. to be delegated to in this topic, in that topic, in the other topic as they learn the skills, because they may not know how you want to do things. Even rock stars have to learn the set list. So you hire a new guitar player for your band. Well, if they don't intimately know your set list already from listening to you, if you're not famous and they don't know you already, they're going to have an adjustment period, no matter how good yeah. they are. So yeah. you, you have to have these support systems in place to teach your new rock stars the set list. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I, I just had a conversation with my project manager yesterday, because she's taking on some new things in the company. Mm. And I, you know, I, I said this to her, I said, you know, I'm going to show you how I do it. Yeah. And then, and then you come up with your version. Exactly. Yep. I said to her, I don't That's care healthy. if you do it the way I do it. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just showing this to you. So you have the foundation, do yeah. it however makes you happy. I don't care as long as it's done. Right you don't need to do it my way and I don't need you to do it my way. I just need it done. Right. Love in a it. reasonable amount of time. <laughs> do, do you have any idea how hard it is to get most business owners into that frame? Cool. That, that's well, a big mindset shift that has to be made with a lot of people. I actually learned that with my best friend because yeah. her and I, we love each other. You know, we're best friends. We're sisters. We're at whatever, mm -hmm. but we are very opposite in some ways. She yeah. is, she's got to plan everything to the nth degree before she even starts. Right. And I'm like, heck with planning. Let's just do it. We'll uh -huh. figure it out as we go along. So, you know, when we started to work together, and this was actually the second time we worked together because she had owned her own business. Mm. And, you know, when she was pregnant and that, she needed some help. So I had worked with mm -hmm. her for probably close to a year in her business, helping her out nice. she sold sewing yeah. machines and training training in that 
Um, so, you know, we learned through this process that the way we do things are very differently. So I just got to the point, I'm like, listen, I'm going to show you how I do it. Do it whatever way makes you happy. Because mm -hmm. see, she was frustrated. She tried to do it my way. She was frustrated. So I would just film a video of how I did it. And then I gave her the video and I said, you know what, this will give you a foundation. Yep. A little bit of the skills. Figure out the way that makes you happy. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why we actually started went to a task management software was because there was just so many pieces going on and she couldn't see it and she couldn't plan it. And so that's one of the reasons why we went to um, a software, just because it just made life easier for her. It made life easier for me. You know, I could very easily go in and see what was going on and, you know, just really perfect. And I'm going to stop the conversation here because we're actually a few minutes over our <laughs> normal time. And I suspect, Jeremy, you and I could probably keep going for quite a while. I'm certain topic. of it at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think, Jeremy, I'm going to have you back maybe in a couple of months because I, I do want to continue this conversation. So, Jeremy, if people have enjoyed today's conversation and they're like, you know what, I need to I, I need to move forward on this. But I'm not sure what I'm doing. How can they get a hold of you? Even if they aren't sure that they need to move forward on anything right now, if they just want to learn, um, the best place to get in touch with me is salescalloverhaul.com. That's three words, salescalloverhaul.com slash resources. I'm going to be putting up the million dollar ear game mm -hmm. so that people can learn to listen effectively and turn their sales prospects into dance partners rather than into poker opponents. Uh, we do not have to hide our cards in these processes. We can be very transparent and very vulnerable even and sell better than we've ever sold before. And we'll have resources on sales teams and uh, et cetera there. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been Jeremy Pope and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.